Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. We're so glad you you could join us tonight. Uh, I'm with Elizabeth tonight. So it's going to be, it's so much more engaging Hi. when she's there, so much more fun. And I know that. <laughs> and I'm so happy she's here with me tonight. <laughs> so tonight we have a huge, huge teaching, so important. It is called God is Calling His Remnant. God is Calling His Remnant. And I have a lot of notes, a lot of material. I want to get through it. I want to get through it the right way. I want you guys to be blessed with this teaching. And I believe it is excessively important in this season, especially if you're listening online, because it just might be, if you're listening online, that this message is for you. Want to add anything this to that before Absolutely. we get started? Absolutely. So if you know any um, you know, believers that you know right now have decided to uh, or maybe they've done that in the past, you know, they weren't uh, always going to church and you were kind of trying to ignite them. Um, you know, we're going to be talking to those people and we're going to be talking to, uh, you know, those those Christians there that are on fire for God. But you've been wondering why they kind of don't, you know, do all the motions and and go to your Baptist church and do all those or do things. Or your Pentecostal church or do your other denominational church or non-denominational church they just don't they just don't go to church and they and yet when you speak with them they tell you they don't go to church and you're like but how come they're so on fire for god they don't go to church it doesn't work but we'll show you that it does work <laughs> we have the proof in this teaching yeah so i think that this is going to open your eyes and it's really going to clarify who god's remnant is in these days uh, we hear a lot about it, uh, you know, in different circles, uh, in, in church and online, and everybody's talking about the remnant, who are these remnants that are going to rise up, that are going to, to be there for the body of Christ. Um, but most people don't know who they are and where they're going to come from. So um, sometimes they've been under your nose all this time and Absolutely. you had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And sometimes there, there are some in the church. Let's be clear about that. There are yeah. some who are in the church, but there are some that have been outside the church walls for some of them it's been months some of them it's been years mm -hmm. so it's going to be very uh, interesting as we dive into this teaching so in romans chapter 11 verses 2 to 5 we read this do you not know what the scripture says of elijah how he appeals to god against israel lord they have killed your prophets they have demolished your altars and i alone am left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, roughly. And it's so interesting that he was saying that there was a remnant back then. There is a remnant today. And it's a big one. So back in his day when he was doing everything he could for God and with God, and he had a tremendous victory over the prophets of Baal, Elijah got threatened by Jezebel and he got discouraged and he felt that he was fighting a losing battle. Have you ever felt that you're fighting a losing battle in today's world? I mean, today in America and in the world, we have a lot of things that seem that seems stacked up against the Christian church, against the church of Jesus Christ today. But back in the day, God told Elijah about a remnant that was 7,000 strong, 7,000 back then. 
So today, when we look at the landscape, not only just not just in America, we're in Canada, and it's, it's not really it's not pink. It's like it's not not great here. I mean, we we are having a lot of um, people who have walked away from God. Our politicians don't care about God. They worship some of them worship the devil. Mm-hmm. The satanic media empire, if you look in, in, you know, you think it's bad in the U.S. And it is. It's bad. It's awful. CNN is just like so uh, in your face with their lies. But in Canada, it's no better. See, in the U.S., they have Fox News that kind of like acts a little bit, a little bit as a kind of a buffer or balance. It offers a, a different point of view. Yeah. Here in Canada, we don't even have that. We All we have is leftist citing media and they they call themselves uh they 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 say when they when they uh, announce their news they say that oh we're all about the truth and presenting you with the facts and and it's all it's just not true uh, we also know if you if you've been listening to um a bit more uh, i guess <laughs> uh the news that are more alternative media, you know about the child trafficking and the witchcraft that is on the rise. If you are like us, we, we have a lot of prophetic friends and they just, uh, they're praying against the witchcraft that is against uh, the White House right now and President Trump. Yeah. And here, here it's just, it's basically taken over. It's taken our, over our, our politics and all that. And we have to rise up in Canada as a remnant to fight this. Uh, we've seen the rioters the rioters uh, in the last few months in the United States, it was just awful. The fires and the, the toppling of statues and just the, the vandalism and just everything that the cities have been, some of them has been, have been half destroyed. Yeah. So, uh, and we seem to be losing our freedoms more and more every day with this COVID thing. Uh, we've been taken off, like now they're doing a second wave and I'm saying they're doing a second wave because I'm not, I don't think the virus is doing a second wave. The virus is, is a thing. It is a thing. Yes. People have died, but I don't think it's any worse than the seasonal flu. Okay. In the sense that when you look at the death toll, the death toll and the, the, what the the virus itself is doing. Uh, So there's, there seems sometimes when we look at the odds stacked against the church, sometimes we like, it seems that there's evil all around us. And and for many of my brothers and sisters, we kind of have a cry like Elijah. We kind of go like, we're worn out. And like, oh, there's only me left. Or there's there's only uh, my little church or my little denomination or, or the few Christians I know. And many, uh, like Elijah, might have thought, it is enough. Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I hope you haven't said that to God. But so, um, what I mean is that a lot of Christians are discouraged, discouraged and exhausted. There's an exhaustion also mm-hmm. in the body of Christ that I can feel. And I want this broadcast to be encouraging. Anything you want to add, Liz? No, go ahead. <laughs> I'll cut in when I want to say something. You better cut in when you got something <laughs> to say. She always cuts in when there's something to say. And I let her because she always has some insightful stuff that happen. So back in 2005, there's a book that came out. George Barna. He wrote a prophetic book. And I, I don't know if he knew about it at the time, but it, it is. Today, I look, I look back at this book and it is prophetic. Okay. Well, can you see it? Well, yeah, there you go. Revolution by George Barna was written in 2005. And for those who don't know who George Barna is, he is the founder of the Barna Group, 
which is a marketing firm, a, a research mar a firm specializing, not a marketing, but a research firm specializing in stud studying religious trends, beliefs, and behaviors, especially in, in America, but also in the world, but mostly in America. So oftentimes in Christianity today, you're going to see a Barna study says, and they're going to give you stats about the, the, the state of uh, what they're asking us questions to see, to take the pulse of Christianity. So in his book, Revolution, he explained a trend. And I, like I said, it, that was back in 2005, 15 oh, years ago, Liz. Oh, yeah. 15 years ago. Believers were leaving. He noticed that. There was a trend. Believers were leaving the organized church in droves. Mm. But, and here's the kicker, here's the interesting part. They were not, I repeat, they were not backslidden. They were not backslidden. So they left because uh, they were on fire for God. Imagine, they left because they were on fire for God and they felt they weren't getting enough of God within church walls. So obviously as a researcher and as a trend studier, Barna got his interest piqued with this new trend. He, he found it fascinating and he called it revolution. So he, he explained in his book, how they were basically called out of church, called out of church into a desert experience with God and for God. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, like I said, remember, Barna is a compiler of stats and figures, stats and figures. He's an expert in that. Yeah, I just want to cut in. And yeah, say, absolutely. Go ahead. Um, you know, we're not talking about people that usually are in a spirit-filled church where they feel close to God and they feel his presence. We're talking about people that go to church um, that are on they fire for fed, God. They, they got have fed a, up of religion. They have a relationship with God, yeah. but when they go to church, they're just fed religious traditions and everything's done in control um, in a with a very strong religious spirit and they feel like they're suffocating uh, they can't express themselves. They, they can't wanted, be part of that because yeah. they just don't fit in that mold. They wanted to worship God in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And they felt like you said, uh, suffocated, put into a box. It felt that God was put into a box. They felt, they, they thought they, they felt trapped into that box and they wanted more of God and they fled. And there's a, a quote I once read that was really good. It said, religion is a playpen that keeps you safe until you're old enough to climb over the bars and go explore on your own. <laughs> so here's where it gets interesting. Okay. So Barna as a compiler of stats, he estimated, he estimated this back in 2005, that the born again believers who left organized religion to pursue God's fire and his manna in the desert were around, check this out around 20 million people in the U.S. alone. That is not, we're not taking into account all other countries across all the world. That's in the U.S. alone. A remnant, basically, a fire, a fire of God seeking remnant that came out of church back in 2005 that was 20 million strong. And here's the good news. There's going to be a lot of good news tonight, but there's, here's one. They are now coming back. They are now coming back with a fresh fire. Why? Because like the title of this broadcast, broadcast, broadcast. I'm French. Does it show? <laughs> <laughs> Says 
God is calling his remnant. He's calling them back to impact the church with a new fire. Uh, so to paraphrase, let's paraphrase Romans 11, 4 and 5. The Spirit, the Spirit of God is now saying, he's now saying this. Instead of speaking to Elijah, he's speaking to the Elijah. Uh, there's some prophets who are saying that, by the way. They're saying that the church today has an Elijah anointing. And it's so interesting. But I, I read that. I think it was Jeremiah Johnson. Just today he wrote that, that the, the church today has an Elijah anointing. Here's what the Spirit of God is now saying. I have kept for myself 20 million men and women in the U.S. who have not bowed the knee to the spirit of the age outside of church walls. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So now we're going to talk about who are these remnants. Lizzie, anything you want to add before I go on talking about who are these remnants? No, because I don't want to give the punch. She's away. got, she's got punches. <laughs> she's gonna, she's gonna have. I always wait till the end. Awesome, yeah. No, it's good. The Bible calls them remnant. Barna, as we saw on the cover of his book, called them revolutionaries because he called his book the Revolution, uh, Revolution, and he calls them in his book revolutionaries, and the religious. People or the ignorant call them backslidden Christians. Yeah. But who are they really? Who are they really? We're, we're going to look at that. So they are the ones who have been feeding on manna in the desert. They are the ones who have been kept in reserves for this hour. You know, in warfare, we have sometimes the term, the cavalry is coming. That basically, when the people are on the, having warfare on the grounds and it's hard and a lot of people are falling left and right, when the cavalry shows up, they say, the cavalry is coming. In other words, the tide of battle is going to shift because the cavalry is coming. Well, guess what? The remnant of the cavalry of God. And they've been kept in reserves for this hour. And I know for some of you, you're kind of wondering, you know, well, how could they stay strong spiritually? You know, if if you're wondering that, it's because probably you uh, tend to always go and get your food from your pastor in the front and you don't do your own homework on your own. So basically what happens is when you're pulled away from that, uh, you know, kind of spoon fed mentality, then what happens is you actually starve. You you starve for more. You need to find out. You need more. to find sustenance. What do so, you do in the desert? You look for water, right? Yeah. So what happens is then you realize, you know, that there are certain things that the Holy Spirit's bringing towards different teachers, different teachings, um, to kind of solve different areas that you're weaker in. And so it's, it's sort of like a boot camp, a spiritual boot camp during this these seasons and years where you're learning from different teachers because you're you're needing to equip yourself in leadership, equip yourself in um, you know different areas that you're weaker that the Lord wants to equip you in for the the, the specific um, mm -hmm. ministry or purpose that you have to accomplish. So I just want to say that that it's not like you're sitting there doing nothing and just reading your Bible once in a while and you know you're. You're, you're on fire for God and you know that there's more out there. So you're constantly searching and seeking. It's like the Holy Spirit kind of like brings you on this 
um, on this discovery. So you're not there doing nothing saying, oh, well, I'm just going to watch one sermon here and there and then do nothing. And I like that you're mentioning that. And I think we're, we're just going to pause here for a moment uh, to address that because it's so important that, that believers today understand that there is spiritual life outside of church walls. And uh, for a lot of believers, uh, they can't, they have a hard time grasping that. They're like, well, yeah, but they do not neglect the assembling of ourselves. And they, they're going to quote scriptures to you because they feel like you're unbiblical. And, and yet this season is so, like this season is like unlike any other we've seen. But the assembly of ourselves starts with two or three where two or three are gathered. That's where it starts. It doesn't have to be where two or three uh, hundred or two or three thousand are, are gathered. It can be just two or three. And uh, luckily, me and Liz, that, that made two plus Jesus. That was three. So we were we, we were um, we weren't neglecting the assembling of ourselves. And then we had other Christian friends and other contacts as well. And we did go to, to churches once in a while to visit a church and, and, and this and that. And but for 15 years, we were basically in the desert and. Mm. Hey, we're back and we're not the only ones. Okay. So we are definitely not the only ones. So that's what we're going to look at today. And and I'm, we're not saying that it's not, it's not good for you to be part of a church because we believe that, you know, there, there is a, a season when the Lord brings back the remnant and that's happening now and, where and they're yes. seeking for a spirit filled church Absolutely. and they're going, they're going to make a powerful difference and they want to be uh, amongst other Christians, other believers uh, because there is that connection that's important. And thanks to social media, we can do that. Um, but, you know, that's what the remnant's been doing for a long time before COVID. They've yeah. been using social media. <laughs> they, to were already, they were already like-minded Christians. Yeah. And, you know, but I but I know I see the importance of being in a church as well. Absolutely. But a spiritual church. And that makes all the difference. Hey, let, let's be honest. Ideally, you want to be in a spirit-filled church with the five-fold ministry going full throttle. And the full gospel being taught there with the miracles and the raising of the dead and the healing and all that. We want that's what you want ideally. And to be in a, in a family of believers where everybody's strengthening one another. That's the ideal. But we don't live in an ideal world. And God oftentimes ha, ha, resorts to certain ways to, to deal with this wicked world and with his church in ways that kind of astound us. And that's one of those ways. And we're gonna we're gonna dig into that. So these remnants. <clears throat> They've been hidden for some time, but now they're coming out of the shadows. Uh, some of them have been hidden in darkness, some alone in the desert. They've been eating manna and getting God's treasures of darkness. And now they are bringing these treasures of darkness home. And two years ago, two years ago, just about, Christine Kane gave a talk in front of thousands of people during which she explained how God keeps some of us hidden in anonymity, only to be an unveiled for a specific hour. And I'm not going to go in detail with her whole analogy, but I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to share the crux of it with you here, okay? And here's what she wrote, and it was so good. So I'm going to read it to you guys because it's so powerful because it was part of her teaching. She said this, We don't need to be discovered by God. He created us so he knows where we are. We need to be de developed by him into the likeness of Christ. He will take you into the dark room to be developed so that the spotlight of man won't destroy you. And what does that mean? Well, if you've grown up with 35 millimeter cameras, you understand exactly what she means. When these films used to be developed, they were developed in a dark room. 
And if there was a, if there were to be a bright light, when the film was taken out, if there were to be a bright light on that film, it was ruined. It was mm -hmm. trash. It wasn't good anymore. Yeah. So what she's saying is, uh, what she's saying is about the dark room is that he wants to develop you in the dark room so that the spotlight of man won't destroy you. He is more concerned that the light inside of you is brighter than the lights, the light that's shining on you, the spotlight. So he wants the light inside you to shine brighter than the spotlight that's on you. When you live for the praise of man, you can be destroyed by the opinion of man. God is looking for people that will be faithful in all seasons of development. God has already discovered you. He created you. He wants to take us into the dark room and form his image inside of us in the secret place where no one can see. If we don't understand this process of development, we will confuse it. We will confuse it with missing out. We will confuse it with, oh, he missed out on that. Oh, she's missing out on this. He's missing out on that. We start to get afraid that what we have to bring will go to waste and no one will ever appreciate it or see it. We live in a culture where the spotlight is always on us, right? I mean, right now, we literally have a spotlight, Liz, right there, lighting our faces so that you guys can see us because it's so dark right now in our room. <laughs> it's, it's nighttime here in Charlottetown. So we have a spotlight that lights up our face. The spotlight's always on us. If the world won't put the spotlight on us, we will put the spotlight on ourselves and upload it to the world. Hi, guys. If the spotlight that is on you is greater than the light that is inside of you, it will destroy you. Those are, those are powerful, powerful words that were shared by Christine Kane on that day. Yeah. So this remnant was called out to the desert, called out of church into the desert, or we could also make the analogy here, in the dark room, in the dark room for a reason and for a season. And the reason for this season was their development, my development, Elizabeth's de development, and uh, the, 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 the tw was it 20 million, Lizzie, <laughs> in America? Mm -hmm. The 20 million who were seeking God outside of church walls, their development. And, and the call is now, and it's been echoing for a while now, the remnant are coming back. The remnant, the cavalry is coming. The remnant is coming. We're going to have a tremendous army. The church is going to have a powerful army. Yeah, so what happens in those seasons is that, um, you know, the Lord makes you seek truth in all things. So, you know, we, we prayed that prayer. We wanted to know the truth. We knew that there was more to, to the knowledge that the Lord wanted to uh, make us discover more than what we were uh, learning from in the church. And, um, you know, you can read your Bible uh, all you want, but sometimes you you really need to, um, how should I say this? There's other things that you need to learn that go with the Bible. And um, the Holy Spirit really did a journey with us to really show us the truth of what was happening um, in our government, in the world that we were living in. You know, when you're in this religious bubble, you kind of, you know, go to work, go to church, go to work, go to church. You're kind of not conscious of everything of the world that we live in. And so we we started noticing a lot of things that were, wow, you know, that that we didn't know, you know, a lot of things that the enemy was doing. And, you know, if we want to be really effective in prayer, then we kind of have to know 
not to dive in deep into it, but to, to be aware of these things so that we know how to come against them. And so that was a really um, interesting journey. And the Lord really developed us, opened our eyes, uh, really, um, you know, made us develop a, a thick skin. So think, yeah. during this time, you know, there's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of purifying. There's a lot of uh, things that happen that basically you you develop a thick skin and um, then you're able to be stronger. And so now the remnant is feeling more like, you know, with everything happening now that the, the Lord is, is calling us to be more um, like soldiers, you know, warring and interceding oh, and definitely. praying and yeah, giving truth to people that are lost because a lot of people with what's coming now uh, in the coming months are going to be shaken and looking for truth. It, you know, their, their yeah. religious church is going to crumble, unfortunately, and yeah. they're going to be wondering like, what do I do? I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, like without my pastor there, I don't know where I, where I'm going and they're going to be seeking guidance. Yeah. Well, the religious spirit is going to be judged this hour. That's, yeah. that's what's coming. So the religious spirit is going to be judged. And unfortunately there's going to be uh, casualties in this. There's going to be churches that are going to literally fall because they were just religious. They were not serving the God of life. They were not serving mm -hmm. uh, his agenda. They were doing their own thing with their own schedule and their own stuff. And yeah. they were focused on that. And these churches, unfortunately, they're, they're going to, they're not, they won't survive this season, uh, this, uh, this time. And, and so I was saying that, that the remnant of God were in the desert. They were given manna, or we could compare it also to the dark room, right? Where God gave them treasures of darkness. Where am mm -hmm. I taking this treasures of darkness? What are you talking about? Well, tucked away in the book of Isaiah, there's a verse that is absolutely wonderful. It's a verse that can make sense of the darkness surrounding you at this time. Maybe you feel, maybe you were called out. Maybe you've been outside of church walls for a while, or maybe you're just in a dark place. Maybe you're just confused. Maybe you're like, where is, where are you, God? This is so hard. I mean, I know a lot of you guys have been hit hard by this, uh, everything that the government has done with COVID, the, all the closures, all the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the lockdowns, lockdowns, jobs, uh, loss, um, companies uh, closing their doors because of the government, basically their decisions. So it's been awful for a lot of people. So a lot of people are like, where are you, Lord? I feel like I'm in darkness. Well, God's going to give you treasures of darkness. And this is from Isaiah 45, 3, treasures of darkness. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. Now think about this. God is saying he's going to do this so that you recognize basically that he is God. Think about it. Only God can give you treasures in darkness, riches, uh, secret riches. Only he can do that. And uh, that's from the New Living Translation. But the NIV says it this way. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I'm the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you, summons you by name. And it's funny because I said that uh, God is calling his remnant. That's what we call this uh, broadcast. God is calling his remnant. Well, he's summoning you by name. Now, let's look a little bit about treasures of darkness, right? There are treasures. There are treasures that can only be found in isolation, in quiet places, and yes, in darkness. Mm -hmm. 
And the remnant has been subject to that. And it's strange. It's kind of funny to me because God, uh, Jesus said, when you pray, go in your room alone and your father who sees in the secret place, he will, he will answer your prayer. So there's something about that. Let's look at the treasures of darkness that, that, that we can list here. Number one, human embryos, human embryos, little babies, they're made in total darkness. In the same way for you, when you find yourself in darkness, God is preparing to birth something amazing in you and from you. Number two, seeds, when they are planted underneath the earth, they develop in utter darkness. A seed will not sprout unless it is covered in darkness. Mm -hmm. That's a treasure of darkness. And in the same way, when you find yourself in darkness, you are being made to sprout, to grow, and to bring forth much fruit. Never forget that. And another thing that we could uh, use in this analogy, if we push it farther, some biblical heroes, people we admire in the scriptures, were also hidden. They were The spotlight of men was taken away from them. They were brought to the dark room to develop. Let's look at who these are. Yeah. Joseph. Everybody loves Joseph. I love Joseph. He had his dream at 17 years old. But he was kept in slavery. He was kept in isolation and anonymity. And even, uh, even in isolation in a dungeon until he was 30 years old. So calculate that. That's from, yeah, from 17 to 30. That's 13 years between the pit and the palace for Joseph. So he yeah. was, uh, God put him in the darkness but he brought forth a treasure out of that darkness. He called him, he was basically pushed away from everything he knew. And he was remade into a powerful, powerful ruler in Egypt. Yeah. Um, we did a podcast on thriving on purpose. If yeah. you want to look at, I think good. it's the episode called treasures of darkness. And uh, we, yeah. we dive deep into that story of Joseph and we really go get all the nuggets and, and the, the meat in that. And it's a really powerful podcast. So yeah. Treasures of Darkness. You, yeah, I encourage you to go check that out, thrivingonpurpose.com. Absolutely. Very good episode. Number two, I, I'm talking like Donald Trump. This was a tremendous episode. It was an amazing <laughs> episode. There's no episode that was ever made like this one. <laughs> Number two, Moses. Moses, when he was 40. Years old, and it's funny, we just watched a Moses cartoon with the kids before they went to bed. He was 40 when he fled Egypt after murdering the Egyptian. And how old was he when God appeared to him in the burning bush? He was he was 80 years old. That's but it seems to me, and, and, and it seems to me, the longer, and I don't want to I don't want to toot toot my own horn here by saying this, but the longer the stretch in the desert, the bigger the ministry. For these people, look at Joseph, 13 years. He had a huge thing calling uh, him out yeah. afterwards. Moses, 40 years in the desert when God summoned him. So he was being developed. He was even being humiliated. This thing about it. The guy was a prince in Egypt. And he, he became a, a sheep keeper, a keeper of sheep for 40 years. That's one heck of a demotion. 
but he he was humble about it. He went he went through the motions. And, you know, in fact, he was so humble about it that when God called him, he felt that he wasn't cut out for the job. He was like, yeah. oh no, I suck. Go get someone else. <laughs> I, I I'm not your guy. But he was the guy. He was the guy. He was perfect for the job because he knew all the culture of Egypt and all the culture of the Hebrews. He had been made perfect in his uh, 80 years of training. Number three, King David. King David had to wait something like 15 years from the time he was first anointed by Samuel to the time he became king over Judah. He was around 14, 15 when he was uh, anointed by Samuel and when he became king over Judah at around 30 years old. And it was another seven years before David was anointed king over all Israel. So this means that David waited in a total of about 20 years of his life to be made king. Can you imagine waiting for a prophecy? You get the prophetic word from the top prophet in Israel at the time who anoints you, says you're going to be king in Israel, you're the next king. He had to wait 20 full years for this prophecy to be fully manifest. Mm. Talk about patience. Talk about being developed in the darkness, the dark room. Talk about treasures of darkness. And David came out shining. He was a treasure of darkness, right? He was a jewel. He was a polished jewel. He was a man after God's own heart when he when he was uh, after all these years of polishing. Also, another one, John the Baptist. And I, I preached, uh, I talked, I, I taught about John the Baptist a couple of weeks ago, I think. He was also kept in, hidden in Luke 180, Luke chapter 1, verse 80. We're not used to saying verse 80. That's kind of surprising, but yeah, verse 80. It says about John the Baptist, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So we don't know how many years John spent in the desert, but it says the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in israel so we don't know maybe maybe he was a teen when he felt the call to go in the desert and started eating his wonderful menu of grasshoppers and honey but the point is it took quite a quite a while be before he was uh he made his until the day of his public appearance so god told him when the day with his public appearance was he said now go and that's what he does with us right now. For many of the remnant right now, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. He's saying to them, now go, now go, come back, bring back your treasures of darkness, bring back the manna, the manna you had in the desert. Yeah. So the remnant are coming back. The remnant are coming back. And speaking of prophetic words, Ryan Lestrange, Liz, would you want to read that for the, the people? Ryan Lestrange posted a powerful post on social media. You want to read that for the folks? Yeah. Does it end there? It ends here. I'll, I'll lend you okay. the sheet after. So it says, um, there is another layer coming in the apostolic movement. The firebrands are arising. So he calls them firebrands. They will be unconventional reformers who will build explosive kingdom-based ministries and structures. Their flow will be authentic and their sound unique. They will challenge what we thought we knew and march to the beat of the Father's heart. They are emerging. They are emerging. Oh, yes, and they hate religion. <laughs> <laughs> he says this, oh, yes. And they hate religion. Yeah, Three, a, uh, no, no, oh yes. And they, that's a huge And they hate religion. They won't even tolerate the scent of it. They are raw relational apostolic reformers. Apostolic reformers. 
Hold on. Yeah, let me just put that back here. Don't want to get mixed up with my notes. You want me to read the rest? Sure. I see them moving as the circuit riders of old. They are stewarding the move of God in multiple places. They will fan the flames of revival hotspots, but their aim is to build a people. I say, arise, fiery ones, arise. What a powerful word from Ryan Lestrange. And by the way, guys, if you want to follow a great guy, go follow Ryan Lestrange on, on his page. It's just amazing, this guy, when he preaches. He's just like, I've never seen a guy preach like that. Like this. Oh, man, it just comes out like. He's not like me looking for his words and looking at his notes. Now he just goes at it like, boom. When, it, when, it's, when, it's like when the fire catches on him, it's just like. Amazing. I love uh, Ryan Lestrange. So get ready, get ready, get ready. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. The remnant, the firebrands are arising. So what are they going to bring with them, these remnants? We talk about manna. We talk about treasures of darkness. What will those things be? I listed them for you. You're so lucky to be listening to this broadcast right now. <laughs> Number one, they bring with them a love of the truth. Of course, you might say, well, I know people in my church who love the truth. Yes, but they hate lies. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying, but trust me, their love of the truth is it's, it's like a fire. It's, like, it's crazy. Yeah. They are truth seekers and tellers. They bring grace and sandpaper to the body of Christ. They are not sugar coaters. They bring grace, so love, grace, but also sandpaper, which is so needed in this time. They're not afraid of where the pursuit of truth will lead them. That's very important because a lot of people are afraid. A lot, for example, if you hear a doctrine that's contrary to what you've heard for the last 10 years in your church, what's the knee-jerk reaction we all have when, when that happens? Well, that's of the devil. That's not true. No, that's not what I was taught. See? But these guys, I don't know. These guys are like, wait a minute, that's different. What if I was wrong? They're going to look it up. They're going to research it. They're going to be like, why? I was wrong. Or they may, they might go like, no, that's a lie. And I'm going to, I'm going to share this and I'm going to warn the people that's a lie. So they, they do the research. They don't just yeah. have the knee jerk reaction. They do the homework. They do their homework because they, they have a love for the truth. They're like Bereans. They open, they open the scriptures up and they're like, let's see if this is so. And I love this quote by Thomas Jefferson, who said, I was bold in the pursuit of knowledge, never fearing, never fearing to follow truth and reason to whatever results they led and bearding every authority which stood in their way. So what is Thomas Jefferson saying here? He said, first of all, I never had fear of where the truth would lead me even if it would lead me in unfamiliar territory, even if it would lead me to go up against uh, uh, stuff that I've believed for the last 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, I would still follow it because I have a hunger and a passion for truth. That's what he was saying, Jefferson. Yeah. Number two, they bring with them a spirit of unity. And I know that may sound contradictory to some of you guys because you're like, well, they, they were in the desert. They were outside of church. They were fleeing unity. They were fleeing groups. What are you saying? Well, here's what, here's what it is. 
They don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. They understand these remnant, these firebrands, these revolutionaries, as Barna called them. They understand that it's not about them. It's about the glory of God in this age and in this time. They're not in competition. Mm -hmm. They see the bigger picture and have an abundance mindset. They don't feel like you're going to steal their thunder if you have a big ministry that, that takes off. They don't feel like you're, you're, you're stealing their thunder if you, uh, you get a promotion in the same church as they are. They don't feel like that. They, they want that. They want to see the body of Christ rise up. Yeah, exactly. They don't have a scarcity. And I know that's a, something that Liz really has a heart for. She she teaches that on a regular basis when we, we do broadcasts again. When we did podcasts for the last uh, two years, she was uh, very adamant about that, trying to teach people, our listeners, to not have a scarcity mindset and to have a spirit of unity, wanting to add value to people and wanting to see them succeed. Exactly. So so it's it's really having a strong leadership mindset where – you know that you're there to <clears throat> equip the body of Christ um, and to to take to encourage those that um, you know that are on fire for God, but you know for whatever reason they they have been kind of you know um, has let's say they have doubts or they don't have enough confidence, different elements there that you need to bring up. So because I guess we've been in the desert for so long. Um, there's this, um, I don't know, there's, you know, we, we know what it is to, to be the Lone Ranger, if you want. And we know what it is. So we try to edify and build people up so that they, they take their positions as leaders. And if we all do that together, then we're all powerful leaders in the eyes of Christ. We're all doing his work. Amen. And so that's a big, the big picture is for all of us to, to be God's army all together because you know, we see forward, we know Satan's agenda, we know what he's up to. Mm -hmm. And he's got his own army and he's coming against us. So it's not time for us to be fighting on all kinds of different oh ideologies God. and this and this and that nitpicking and, you know, yeah. nitpicking each other's ministries no and whatnot. Way. It's really time to, to be solid together, encourage each other and, you know, really uplift each other as best as we know how and to really listen to the Holy Spirit in these times. Yeah. And it's so important that the church understands in these times that, for example, in the government, in the government, you got you got the Ministry of Education. You got the Ministry of Defense. You got the Ministry of uh, um, Agriculture and so on and so forth. You have different types of ministry. Do you see the Ministry of Agriculture going against the Ministry of Defense and saying, you're, you suck at doing your job and it's <laughs> what you're doing is not good for the country. It's not true and it's not this. No, they're doing their ministry and they're all working for the same government. Well, so it is with the kingdom of God. We have different, there's this church of Jesus Christ is a fascinating thing. Uh, Paul compares it to a body, right? Mm -hmm. we, know, we know it's the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. An arm, the hand won't tell the foot, what are you doing? You're doing your job or, or, or you suck because you're not a hand or the mouth won't say to the eyes, uh, you can't speak, therefore you suck. But that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> so we're divided. And here's the thing that the, uh, the wicked ones have on us. The army of darkness has this on us. They are more united in their effort than we are. And that's why they, they, they get some battles sometimes. They win some battles. They won't win the war. We they know divide. that. We know the end. It's in the book, right? We know the end. 
but they win some battles. Why? Because we bicker, like you said. We we have a scarcity mentality, and, and we, we we one denomination points a finger to the other denomination. A pastor mm -hmm. that holds a certain position will will criticize the other position. Uh, every every certain... Christian out there is like. Oh well, you know, if it's not from the mouth of my pastor, then I'm not going to listen to that. That must not be truth. And a lot of people have this mentality. You know, they have their their denomination, and they just listen to the pastors that are approved in that de denomination, and everything else is not not real. And so, what happens is, and you see all, all kinds of comments on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, you know that you know them even. <laughs> People have gotten so creative now on YouTube that they create video, videos actually going against a certain person and thinking that they're in truth. And it's very, very... They're convinced they're in truth. It's, and they're, they're, it's a, a, an ad hominem attack mm -hmm. on the person, in, the person himself or herself, their ministry. And they put that for everyone to see on YouTube. Yeah. And they're so certain that they're in the truth and the other person's in the wrong. And I've seen that time and again. There's a way to 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 approach. For example, if there's a doctrine that you go against, don't. It's a doctrine. Don't go naming names un, un, unless it's a really flagrant satanic thing. And even then, you got to be careful because sometimes you might be convinced that it's a Satan, uh, a satanic yeah. pastor that you're, I, that yeah, you're attacking, and you might be attacking someone yeah. who just happens to have had a revelation that you didn't get yet and you're attacking the revelation and the revelator the person themselves and you're basically attacking attacking one of God's uh, chosen vessels so you got to be very careful when yeah. you go on in public social media and attack other ministries or other people in the body of Christ yeah. i would actually say abstain from it as much as you can yeah i would yeah i would say you know a lot of people do not hear the holy spirit a lot of people are uh, in a religious mindset and oftentimes, sadly to say, but blinded by the religious spirit. Yes. And because of that, they don't hear the Holy Spirit. They're not in tune. They don't have this the discernment to kind of, you know, analyze and look at a, something that's new and look in the Bible and see if it if it works together. So it's very dangerous to to try to bring somebody else's ministry down or talk against somebody else. Um, especially if you haven't really done your homework or experienced God in that way. And sometimes they just say, you know, you got to be careful. It's happened to me, but I didn't do it publicly. I would do it to Liz and say, oh, so-and-so is such and such a pastor. What they're teaching, that's that's wrong. That's not true. And boy, did God humble me. <laughs> it took took about 10 years to show me that, no, they, 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 they weren't wrong. And it wasn't false what they were teaching. It was, just wasn't something that I had... Uh, experience or understood yet. Mm -hmm. So when you understand it, then you go like, ooh, mea culpa. Then you go to the, the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, I apologize. I don't need to go apologize to the pastor himself because I never put out stuff out there to, to, to discredit them. But then I have to, I feel the conviction and I, oh boy, okay, I attacked one of yours. Sorry, Lord, I was wrong. Okay, point number three. So what the remnant are bringing to the table they bring wilderness experience, wilderness experience. Why is this going to be important at this time? Well, it's going to be important at this time because I believe that uh, the whole visage and face of the church and the way we've been doing church is about to get a 
huge overhaul and there's going to be a lot of wilderness involved in that so they are and they're remnant they are untamed and wild this remnant is wild i repeat the remnant is wild <laughs> they have raw faith they are not they are not nice guys and nice girls they are and here's the difference they are not nice they are good Huge difference. So they are not nice Christian-y. Uh, they're not nice. They're not nice. <laughs> I hope I'm understood it. They are good. They are good. So they're following the Father's heart. So they are good men and women. There is a huge, huge difference between being nice and being good. And Liz, uh, we did a podcast in our earlier episodes about the difference between a nice guy and a good man. And it was a very good episode. I went through the list of all the differences yeah, so, between a nice guy and a good man. And God calls us to be good men. And yeah, women. So you can be nice and say everything the way, you know, the person wants to hear things being sugar, sugar coating everything, or you can speak in truth. And sometimes the truth is, you know, uh, sandpaper and it's sweet and salty, right? Rice and sandpaper. Yeah. So something sometimes the Lord will will educate us on um, truth and grace. All the time. Truth and yeah, and it, it sometimes is in your face, and it's sometimes things that you need to understand, and it's not always easy to understand. But it, you know, we, well, we I, have to be good, good women and good men, and talk about it. This broadcast right now is a very good example of that. It's done in love. It's done out of concern. But there is some sandpaper to it. I mean, a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, what, what? And that's fine. And that's that's what we want. But we do it out of love. And we do it out with the, uh, uh, we really want to to get this teaching to, to, to be understood. So uh, I wrote this uh, here. Uh, they bring with them the wilderness experience that is going to be so needed in this season. They are the Bear grills of the Christian world. The Bear grills of the Christian world. See, Bear grills is a super nice guy. He's a Christian, right? But man, this guy, you put him in the woods and he like, he's, he's, sorry to say, he's a badass. Like he's, he's not this, like, I wouldn't want to fight him. You know, I'm just saying. Number four, they bring irreligious zeal for God. Irreligious, not religious, irreligious zeal for God. And I want to talk about one of my favorite movies, the Rocky series. If you uh, if you're like me, I watched I watched all of them many times over. But uh, Rocky in Rocky three, there's an interesting scene at the beginning of the movie when Rocky learns that Mick has been um, choosing fighters to go up against Rocky that were not going to destroy his pretty face. In other words, he picked guys that were good, but they were not killers in the ring because he wanted to protect Rocky. He wanted to protect what Rocky had, you know, his wife, his kid, everything he had worked so hard for. And he was concerned. So, so basically Rocky, when he learned this, he blew his cover. Like, why did you do this to me? Why, like, why were you picking these like handpicks, like these fighters? You weren't giving me the best. I wanted to fight the best. And he says, well, here's what happened, Rock. And I, and I have to be an honest shooter. So Mickey, becomes an honest shooter in this. And he says, look, the worst thing that could ever happen to any fighter happened to you. You have become civilized. And when you follow the Rocky series, you see the progress, right? From Rocky mm -hmm. one, when he's this like guy on the street, he's basically a street fighter. Rocky two, he gets married. 
And Rocky III, he's the champion of the world and he's got a fortune. He's got a nice, beautiful mansion and the pampered life and the, and the maid and all this good stuff, right? And he became civilized. In other words, Mickey is saying you kind of became soft. You became soft. And uh, this, is, this, is what, uh, this is what's happened to the church in the West. This is what mm -hmm. happened to the church in Canada, the church in the U.S., See, in China, in, in certain countries where Christianity is fought hard, that's where most of the miracles happen. When yeah. missionaries go spread the gospel in these countries, the dead are raised, the, the sick are healed, uh, stuff happens, like incredible stuff happens just like that, and the people just converted. And all of a sudden, these, these manifestations of the Holy Ghost are just like going crazy. Why? Yeah. They are uncivilized. They have raw faith. They, 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 they believe God for anything. They, they, they just like, they were so thirsty for the gospel that when it shows up at their door, they drink and drink and drink. And they, and they just like pour out the rivers of living water afterwards. And it's, it's like, it's wow, it's fantastic. But the church in the West, we've become civilized. We've become civilized. And in the war that is before us, in what is happening right now, as the trenches are being prepped, and we're, we've seen it all of 2020, that it's very obvious now, Satanism doesn't hide anymore, right? It's in your face on the news every day. I hope you know this. We're going to need the church to become wild. We're going to need the church to let go of that civilized, pampered life that we've known and embrace this wildness that the remnant are bringing with them. So they are bringing this with them. And they will, uh, so because they have been, uh, the remnant, because they have been blinded, they have been scorned, they have been attacked, they have been ignored by the religious, just like the master they serve. Now they will vehemently oppose the spirit of religion and they will pull no punches and their fire will be contagious. And that's why I'm saying there's a war that's going to happen right now. It's happening now on the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion is going to, is going to topple now. Number five, they bring innovation, innovation. They are trailblazers. These remnants in the desert, they're trailblazers. They're innovators. They're entrepreneurs. They are mountain climbers. And when I say mountain climbers, I'm talking about the seven mountain mandate, the seven mountain mandate, if you're familiar with that, right? So in other words, they are going to have influence everywhere, not just in the church, in politics, in the arts and entertainment, in, uh, in, in education, in the church, definitely, and all the seven mountains, and I don't have the list here, but you know what I mean. So they bring with them new ways of doing things that will challenge the status quo. And that is a fantastic thing. God is doing a new thing through his wild remnant. Yeah, and um, part of the boot camp is, is that we're constantly learning new things. We're constantly evolving when you think you're comfortable in a certain area then god brings you in another area yeah and he, he trains you and uh, when i say it's like a boot camp it's training it's because there's a lot of things that happen in your personal life also that he uses to teach you different things and sometimes it hurts sometimes it's humbling sometimes it um edifies you there's all kinds of elements that go 
uh, in this in this process. And oftentimes there's a lot of pain as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's pain involved. The remnant have suffered. They yeah. they bring back. You cannot have that kind of fire if you haven't suffered. It goes hand in hand. And it's it's not, and I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to think that God inflicts this, uh, this nope. pain. Nope. Oftentimes, it's the enemy that attacks us. It's the because, furnace of affliction, yeah. Because he knows what we want to do. He knows where we're going with this. Uh, you know, even in the beginning of our marriage, I mean, we had a lot of opposition. Okay. It was crazy. And we didn't. We didn't see it because we were so young. We like we saw it, but we didn't see the spiritual. We didn't fully understand behind it. Yeah, we didn't fully. We understand. just saw the physical, you know, the 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 families and everything, and um, but there was a lot of spiritual components that were a factor of trying to tear us apart. Why? Because they didn't want us to do this ministry. And they they didn't knew want, they didn't want us to have kids that we would raise in the faith either. Exactly. So there was a lot of opposition. A lot of opposition. Um, of all kinds that came, but God used that opposition um, to to show us different elements, to show us different things, to teach us to to really season us. So through this pain that we went through, there's a lot of uh, matu uh, maturity that came Maturing, from it, yeah, and a lot of wisdom and discernment, different components that you can't you, you can't learn otherwise. There's stuff you can only learn in the desert. Yeah, there's stuff you can only learn in the wild. And uh, that's what the, the that's what they're bringing with them. Number six, this remnant, they are bringing the gospel of the kingdom with them. Kingdom builders build up the kingdom, but they also demolish strongholds. And that's our tagline. You've probably seen our tagline: building up the kingdom, demolishing strongholds, or tearing down strongholds, yeah. as we call it. So that's the fire the church needs now in this very moment. Jesus said, and this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom, very important uh, differentiation to be made here between the gospel of salvation, which is good news, and the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom includes the gospel of salvation within it, but it's so much bigger. And this remnant is bringing the gospel of the kingdom with them. And Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. That's in Matthew 24, 14. Now, Amen. we are seeing this going on right now under our very noses. It, before our eyes, you open the TV. It's, it's really like... You know, they've been wanting globalization for so long. The one little detail they forgot is that the church would also go global. And once the church go global, it means the end of them. Think about that, globalists. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, the church has gone global and better watch out. Like, like the song says, right? Let's see. Better watch out. You better watch yeah. out. You better watch there, out. You there's a lot of censoring going on different, uh, you know, social media platforms that are huge right now. And so if you have, um, if you want to be part of, you know, the, the remnant and a lot of Christians are going to be on Parlay. So P-A-R-L-E-R, -E -E you can search for Thriving on Purpose there. And it, it's a platform that allows you to have freedom of speech. And yeah. the person that founded it. It's not censored. Exactly. The person yeah. that founded it is very okay with, you know, politics, religion, and all that. So um, it's not you know, as dangerous as the other platforms like Facebook and YouTube and, and Google and different things like that, where they're doing major censoring and even 
um, you know, choosing what goes out there, even when it comes to uh, religious stuff. And a lot of, a lot of now, a lot of Christian, um, even on YouTube, I, oh, yeah. I was the following, is crazy. I was following a lot of people yeah. that were teaching kingdom. And a lot of it is now like, you get a message, like, this is like sensitive content. I'm like, hello, I've been following this person for like, for like forever. They had, you know, the sensitive to the new world order. It yeah, hurts them. Exactly. It's existed for like 30 years, whatever. But um, that's, that's a world we're going into right yeah. now. And as we end this uber important broadcast, I, I, I'm begging you share this with a look, especially if you know some remnant, if you know, People who have been in the wilderness, people who who you you talk with them, you, they're like, yeah, no, I'm still a Christian. I, I just don't believe in going to church anymore. Or I've been out of church for a long. They need to hear this because God is calling His remnant back. And I want to share something, another book with you guys. In 2005, the Revolution came out, the book Revolution I spoke to you about in the beginning. But there's also this other book that came out, The Out of Church Christians by Andrew Strong. The Out of Church Christians by Andrew Strong. And he was also a visionary. What he did is he compiled. The books go well, by the way. If you want to buy both books on Amazon, I highly recommend it because they kind of go hand in hand. Andrew Strong, what he did is he compiled the testimonies of these believers. All throughout the book, you read testimonies after testimony after testimony of out of church Christians as to why they came out of church how they were seeking more of God and they began their own home church or ministry or whatever. And, and it's really a powerful book. That's going to, if you have been out of church, it's going to really encourage you. But I, back in the day, I was just beginning my desert experience. And as you can imagine, I was like, what am I doing? Is this of God? Am I just being rebellious? What's wrong with me? I, I was questioning my own motives. Okay. As a believer. And I, uh, I, I saw this book on Amazon. I bought it and man, did it just gave me confirmation upon confirmation? But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker for you guys tonight. Like I said, the book was written in 2005. I'm going to read to you, and that's a spoiler, by the way. So I'm just saying, if you intend on buying the book, you might want to log out now because I'm going to give you the spoiler. I'm going to read from the ending. <laughs> but I think it's so amazing, the ending. There's two big paragraphs I want to read to you guys, but it's worth it because this thing, 2005, and he's mentioning that the whole time, and by the way, Andrew Strom is a revivalist. That's his main function as a, as a, as a preacher. He's a revivalist. So he's, he's like an, an expert who has studied revivals all throughout uh, church history and all that. So it's really interesting. He says this. I'm going to use my little lamp here. So will many of today's out-of-church people be among this new leadership? So he was talking about the leadership of the church. What it's, are these remnant called to become the new leaders eventually? He says, I have no doubt that they will. God did not put them through all this training for nothing. But timing is the key. Sometimes it takes a crisis for new leadership to be allowed to arise. Prophetic words, anybody? Imagine that. He wrote this in 2005. He says, sometimes it takes a crisis for new leadership to be allowed to arise. Cometh the hour, cometh the man, as the saying goes. And it is never more true than in times of reformation or revival. Suddenly, the new leaders arrive 
as if out of nowhere. Prepared for years in the secret place by God. So it has always been with the greatest revivals. Timing is everything. And here's a, another passage. I'm gonna, this is the very ending of the book. But you guys, you got to hear this. This is so, so good. So is this huge, huge, he called it, out of church movement a sign that something unprecedented lies just ahead? Is the massive groundswell of this satisfaction—groundswell? How do we say this? Groundswell. Yeah, groundswell. Groundswell of dissatisfaction among multitudes of Christians evidence that dramatic change is just around the corner. He's asking questions. Certainly, we would have to conclude that something major is going on. He said this in 2005. This thing is way too big to be mere coincidence. There is something very unusual taking place on a worldwide scale that only God could orchestrate. As we are about to see a new breed of leader come in from the desert, my heart is warm as I'm reading these lines, guys. The Holy Spirit is just like stirring within me. Uh, uh, as we are about to see a new breed of leader come in from the desert, prepared for years for this time, ready to usher in a new move of God's spirit. Are we ready to see this? Is another great street revival approaching? Well, one thing is certain. We desperately need one. Only time will tell, but the signs are there that something of this order of magnitude is definitely building. It seems beyond question that God is on the move in a new way in this generation. In a new way. God is doing a new thing. And he is doing something quite radical. It is radical. It's never been seen before. Or perhaps it is something so old that it just seems radical. Because we have never seen its like before. So what is he saying? Basically, he's saying this. He's basically saying that the church is kind of coming back to its roots. You know, the church, when it first started, it was raw. It was powerful. It was, it was badass. I mean, there's a story you read. It was, in, and we're probably going to do a broadcast. So I don't want to, I don't want to go through much into that, but it was in Acts chapter 14. Paul is in, uh, what city was it? Ephesus? Which uh, city was it? I don't it? remember. He's, a, he's in a city. Greek city. Yeah. And they get angry. I don't know why he was just preaching the gospel. They get mad. They bring him outside the doors of the city and they stone him. And they leave him there for dead. And they go back in the city. What does Paul do? Well, miraculously or not, it doesn't really say in the text, but I, th I think it's miraculous, obviously. He gets up and he goes back in the city, not to preach, mind you. He's not crazy, you know goes back in the city maybe to gather some stuff or some people or I don't know what and then he goes back out and then he keeps going on his mission to go preach the next day can you can you imagine that yeah. I mean determined yeah talk about the this guy was the terminator I mean that's what we need to be <laughs> we need to be terminators right now because like I've said in previous broadcasts the the enemy has made his big push and God wants us to push back, but he wants us to push back with his spirit 
which is not, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how we're going to push back. And yeah. it, we're living in an age where, where I feel like the church is being reborn. And it's just like, this is so incredible what's happening. And what did it take? It took a crisis. It it's like without suffering, without persecution, the church never rises to the occasion. It's just sad, right? When we become civilized, we become neutralized. Yeah, there's too. But many... man, you bring persecution, and all of a sudden, I'm sorry, Liz, you go right ahead. I'm just, I'm just gonna stop. Yeah, rambling it's, now. it's true, and you know, right now, these this next season that we're entering in, the Lord is going to allow the shaking to happen because He wants to see who's on fire for Him, who's cold, who's lukewarm. He's going to be really testing people and. Um, it's necessary, you it know, is. we're, we're in the birth bangs of the end times and it's the necessary. So everybody that's, you know, been in this religious, uh, traditionalistic church where there's, uh, not much, where there's on, no power, there's no power, there's no Holy spirit present. They're going to be wondering, you know, where, well, where am I going to get fed? And they're going to be completely lost. But at the same time, that's, it's that's, necessary. that's necessary for them to seek God and yeah. to get on their knees and to be closer to God. Yes. Or they're going to do like a lot of churches that we, we heard were talking about this. Uh, they're just going to leave the church and they're going to do nothing at home. Yeah, They're going to do absolutely nothing but watch football and what. So what they're not. either going to become cold or hot. Yeah. I mean, because this, this season will demand it of them. It's like we're put in this situation where we will lukewarm Christianity is all but done in this time now. So it's going to be either you're cold or you're hot mm -hmm. or you'll be vomited out of his mouth. That's just like revelation says. Exactly. So it's necessary. So I know that for, for some of you, maybe this is really uh, new information um, for, for others that are searching for this kind of content on YouTube. Uh, I know that this will bless you. I know that for a lot of people, um, this is really a, um, an eye opener because I know for a lot of you, you've been in that dark room, you've been in that that season where you're searching and you're um, feeling that God is developing you, and you're wondering, you know, where is your purpose? Where you need clarity on these things, and you're wondering where is God in all of this? And so it's uh, your time. There's good news. Yeah, it's your time. So it's the all of this has been. Uh, uh, there's been reasons why God has been developing you, and sometimes it's taken long, and you've been wondering, you know, what's going on, Lord, year after year, and this and that. And we've been through those moments where we questioned, you know, okay, now what, you know, what's going on here? I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm in the desert, but I don't hear him as much as I used to, or, you know, he brings us through these moments where we really need to seek his face. And, yeah. and when it's time, when he feels that, you know, we've, we we're ready and we've matured, then he brings us out and brings us out in, into clarity in our purpose and uh, speaks to us, speaks to us very clearly on what we need to do. And, and um, you know, for us, we we've experienced that, you know, in, in the last uh, few years where the Lord has really showed us step by step. And, you know, when we started with thriving on purpose, it was a, a certain thing and then it evolved and there Boy, was a did season. It, did it evolve? This, this, when you uh, go back to our podcast, thriving if you look at the first episode, uh, we talk about God's boot camp and how we lived it back then. And, you know, it was just a, a season of teaching us all kinds of things with personal growth, with leadership, uh, spiritual development, and you know, uh, faith development, 
And we learned so much about the kingdom of God. And it was such a great experience. And then, you know, now it's more about tearing down strongholds and destroying the religious spirit uh, amongst uh, Christians because they're blinded. A lot of them are, you know, have scales on their eyes and they can't see right from left. And they they just are, they, they just are scared with everything the government is doing and in yeah. fear mode and have lost their faith basically yes and when we're religious we don't know we're, re we're being religious that's the thing and then that's why it's so deceitful uh, and uh and this is this needs to come to an end uh, in in this time and it's gonna gradually it, it's gonna gradually crumble because it, it can't stand it cannot stand before uh, the might of God's outpouring in this season is going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. We're going to see tr tremendous things on both sides, by the way. But but I don't want to talk about what the evil one's going to do. Uh, his signs and wonders are nothing compared to the signs and wonders that God's going to do. And it's going to be tremendous. It's going to be using moving mightily up, uh, inside the church and bringing tremendous, tremendous revival. And it's already begun. So if you're not aware of this, if you're not aware, that right now this outpouring is happening and the enemy has been doing his own stuff. If you're not aware of any of what we've talked about tonight, well, you just might need to do your homework and consider that maybe pray, fall on your knees and say, Lord, have I fallen victim to a spirit of religion? Are you trying to speak to me tonight? Is there something that I need to understand so that I can shift and change and adapt with the new move you're making? Because I want to be walking with you hand in hand, Lord. I don't want to be left behind uh, in, in an old system that you disapprove of. I want to be walking with you every step of the way of this new thing you're doing. So that's what we need to do as believers. Exactly. So I hope that this uh, broadcast has blessed you. You can go check out our free content. We have lots of episodes you can listen to at thrivingonpurpose.com. We also have a free resource section that you can uh, check out our, our eBooks and our downloads there. We have lots of great content to help you build your faith. And uh, we also have our link to our Facebook group. If you want to chat with us on, on the inside um, we can uh, do that through our Facebook group. Make sure you like our page, uh, Thriving on Purpose on Facebook. Easy to find. I, I was actually lucky. I was able to change the name this week. <laughs> it was Thriving Purpose for the longest time. Now it's Thriving on Purpose on Facebook. So look us up, yeah. like the page. And, and if you if this uh, broadcast has blessed you and you want to give to our ministry, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com. We have a donate button. Donate. And if uh, the Holy Spirit leads you to, to give, to our ministry then uh, do so so be blessed and thrive on god bless you all we'll see you next week